Welcome to The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. This is a topical podcast where the topics are chosen at random. Sometimes they will be profound, and sometimes they will be stupid. But no matter what, we have a lot to say about them. We are known for the things we do. We become the things we think. We live the things we believe. These are the things we say. Back on the things we say, I'm Sheldon and I'm Nate, and I don't have a did you know today, but I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so I, excited. I'm very glad to be here, and I'm very unsure of how the night's going to go because we just had two false starts trying to get the podcast started tonight, which were my bad. So it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Did you know the Browns don't suck this year? Wow, I did know that, and by the skin of their teeth today. Yes, but it was a fun game to watch. I will yeah. say that. The Browns but are I was fun to watch again without Odell Beckham. But I will tell you, I will tell you, I can't remember his name all of a sudden. Jarvis Landry? No, no, no. But the quarterback for... Joe Burrow. Joe, Joe Burrow. He's phenomenal. He's wonderful. He's phenomenal. And it's a shame that he doesn't have a little more talent around him. He's phenomenal. It is a 49ers winning weekend, and nothing can bring me down. No. Did the Chiefs win? I don't care. I think they did. I won't watch the Chiefs out of matter of principle. Okay. You can be as bitter as the Chiefs as you want, but I will say Patrick Mahomes is the real deal. I think they did win. It was snowing. Yeah, but he is the real deal. He's he's one of those guys that – one of those quarterbacks that you don't you don't get to see very often, but I think he's I think he's proven to be one of those guys. Don't care. Literally <laughs> could care less. <laughs> oh, my. Anyway. Unless no. he's mine, I don't want to see him. <clears throat> that, and that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that's how I feel about LeBron James. I think we've talked about that. Yep. Okay. Did you know that there is at least one unpunished incident of human sacrifice to Yahweh in the Bible? One unpunished incident yes. of human sacrifice was it the one where the guy made a vow? Yes. About his daughter, like he said, and he didn't know it was about his daughter. No. He made a vow. See, this one is murky under the law of Moses as well. Yes. But he made a vow after winning a victory. A yes. A pretty unnecessary vow that if the Lord gives me this victory, I will sacrifice the first thing I meet. The first thing when that I come comes home. to greet me out of my house. Yeah. Why would you say that? I think he assumed it would be like a dog or a lamb or something, but no. Why would a dog or a lamb be the first thing? Like Yes, but it was not. It was his teenage daughter. Right. And so he... And, well, Where she is too, this account found? It's found in... Uh, let me see. I've got it right here. It's Judges 1131. Ooh. And uh, he, he made this vow, and she came out, and he panicked because... He had made this vow and he wasn't about to go back on it, but was trying to figure out a way to. And she basically talked to me, no, 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 you made this vow. This is what happened. Can I just have two months to go, you know, lament with my friends because I'm never going to marry. And he said, yes. Two months later, she came back and he sacrificed her. Yeah. Yeah. That is wild. It is wild. It is wild. I've uh, never quite known what to do with that story. Neither have I. I neither need somebody have I. much smarter and wiser than me to dive into that yeah, one. Because it was necessary to put it in there. 
and it was and and he he suffered no consequence for it see i think this adds other than losing his daughter i mean i guess that had its own that was its own consequence for me this adds to the strength of the historical biblical narrative yes if it was clean and tidy and it was always like pristine yeah and in that era, I'd be like, nah, I yeah. probably don't buy that. The heroes of the Bible had many, many issues. Well, and given their time with a lot of small feudal states, I mean, I yeah. don't know if feudal states is the best way to put it, but it's more like small ethno states, yeah. but not very large kingdoms at all. Right. All beating each other bloody all the time. All the time. And somehow in the middle of that, a new nation kind of comes to be out of slavery and it's not going to be pretty yeah that, that whole narrative is not going to be pretty yeah but he he was not condemned i mean there were other kings and and people in the what bible what's his name uh it's a weird name jephthah 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 yeah there we go you know how you say long bible names that you don't know quickly and with confidence yeah fast and confidently <laughs> that's one of the things they taught us in in uh biblical preaching yes (laughs) you encounter a biblical word or name place name personal name you just yeah but yeah it was uh yeah so that's that's a weird one don't know what to do with that but that is in keeping with the theme of the night as well and so i thought it would be an appropriate did you know one thing that you don't do when quoting bible passages is say two Corinthians. Yes, don't do that. <laughs> Although they do that a lot of times in Britain. What? Yeah. Oddly well, enough. They also do maths in Britain. Maths. They do maths. Uh, they also tend to title songs off of the first line. It's like a... a, a really? You know, yeah. <laughs> I, almost, <laughs> I almost made a reference that could have gotten me in trouble, so I'll leave that alone. There we go. But you know what I was probably going to say. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah. So when we were in, when we were in London in... Uh, Oh, we weren't just in London, but we were in, in England in uh, in 2003. Uh, the only time I've ever been to Europe. Um, they were we were at this one church, and they wanted to do shout to the Lord, and they called it "My Jesus, My Savior." And uh, you know, they wanted to do several different songs, and they would talk about them before, and they just referred. To, and even in the little like handbook hymnally things they had, it was called "My Jesus, My Savior." F- yep, first line, first line was despite what it was. how it was copyrighted. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah, very strange thing. But anyway, yeah, there's another weird did you know? Yeah. British British people. My ears were a little loud. That's all. I'm, okay, we're I'm good. hurting Sheldon. All right. He's not half deaf from music no, for years in like I am. Keeping with the theme of the night, we are discussing weird Bible stories. We thought it would be uh, our pleasure to bring up some of our favorite <laughs> weird Bible stories, just like the one Nate brought up in the Did You Know? Yes. Um, that maybe they're obscure enough that you may not have run across them or you may have uh but either way it's okay and it's worth going back in and and diving into these again totally what's interesting to me is the number of times that common bible stories are mentioned that people have no point of reference anymore yeah so you know what i'm not going to judge whether or not you have a point of reference for this totally we're just going to cover a few of them yeah and pull out what we found interesting about them and why we bring them up, and then we're going to move on. We're in no way experts on these. We yeah. just like unique Bible stories. Well, and that's that's one of the things that's interesting to me that you mentioned that. Though. That's been one of the interesting challenges for me preaching now is because I can't assume anybody knows 
the story I'm referencing. Right. So if I make a, ra- a random biblical reference, I have to give a little context for it because who knows who's in the room and who knows what they know or they don't know. And I need to account for that. And that has been a weird adjustment for a all my life church kid. Right. Me too. Grew up in the church and went to a Christian elementary school. So for me, like all of those yeah, Bible you stories. You just knew all the things. Yeah. Those were my superhero stories growing up. Yeah, like totally. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't raised on the Avengers. No. So, or, or Power Rangers or anything like that. So. I tried to raise myself on Power Rangers. My <laughs> parents were not all about that. I was allowed to watch Westerns where people got bloodied and scalped and blown away, but I wasn't allowed to watch the Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah. With like mild elements of racism. Yes. And whatever else. And just horrifying <laughs> things. And spaghetti yeah. Westerns. Yeah. You, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I learned about prostitution at way too young an age because of my father's <laughs> love for Westerns. <laughs> yeah, somehow the brothels were always above the saloon. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Just went hand which hand. is kind of disturbing when you really think about it. Mm. Ooh, man, there's a Although, there's, there's for a show. Sake, seems to make sense. There's a show that used to be on uh, the History Channel before they just did reality series called Wild West Tech, and it basically just was exactly that. It was the technology of the Wild West, and they did one series on brothels, and it was disgusting it was horrifying gross 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 just the conditions and the it was gross dirty miners and i don't mean miners as in too young i mean dirty they work in rocks gold miners it was gross it was so gross and i'll leave it at that anyway we're talking about the bible (laughs) there's also gross things in there yeah there so, certainly is. So yeah, I'm gonna let Sheldon get us rolling here because I'm I'm trying to cleanse my mind now from that. <laughs> yeah, the very first one that I wanted to get into was David's mighty men. Yeah, and I really like this because it talks about um, coming that these men came to him at the cave of Abdullam, mm. and uh, let me sorry I had the Bible verse pulled up and now my I've been there we go. It is broken. Uh, the cave of Abdullam is where David went when he was running from King Saul. And it says that um, everyone that, that guys came to him that were in distress or everyone that had debt or everyone that was discontent, get discontented yeah. gathered to him at the cave of Abdullam. And I'm like, this must be a really big cave, but it could also be a fortress. Yeah. And so basically David was in the wilderness running from Saul, but he was not running in a way that people didn't know where he was. He was just getting away physically from like the city right. center or where uh, from the center of Saul's rule. Yeah. And so the further out you got in this kingdom, the further that Saul would have had to mobilize somebody to come after you, especially yeah. if people gathered to you. Right. And so w- the people that gathered around David were malcontent with the current state of things they were in debt which is interesting Mm -hmm. or they were in distress so these were people that were displaced either in the fighting between the philistines or as saul tried to establish his power and establish his kingdom that they were caught up in this mess and they went with david and and gathered to him at the cave of abdullam but david's uh David's mighty men are basically referred to a couple different ways, but usually they're referenced as either the three or the 30. Yeah. And so sometimes in some lists, they count the three in the 30 and the 30 is a loose number 
And so we have like 400 men that gathered to him. In some places, it gets as high as 600, depending on where he's at and what right. he's doing. But it, it, the numbers vary. But amongst them, the mighty men are usually considered either part of the three or of the 30. And then one or two of them are sometimes counted in the three. One was made captain over all of the 30 and maybe captain over the three, depending on how you interpret right. how it's written. But anyway, there was... There was different divisions, but the three champions were Joshua Beam, Eliezer, and Shama. Uh-huh. Um, but these these guys, they they stood out because of their exploits. Basically, they, right. they did all kinds of different crazy things. Um, what I was trying to find was the list, and now it went away. Oh my goodness! Why am I struggling here so bad? Because you need it now, and your technology will betray you. Yeah. I had I have tabs upon tabs upon tabs open <laughs> in front of me. There we go. All right. Yeah. So these are the names of the mighty men of David who had who had gathered to David. Uh, and sometimes they get named different ways. And it goes down through in Second Samuel twenty three eight to thirty eight is where they're listed, and a lot of their main uh, exploits are there. Uh, but Joshua Beam was chief of the captains. He killed 800 men at once with his spear. Yeah. That one is crazy. 800 men with a spear. That one it, it was more in battle. But then Eliezer fought alone with David until his hand clung to his sword. Yeah. That was his mark that he fought all day and gripped his sword so hard that after killing all these men, he could not release his sword. His hand yeah. was stuck to the sword. Yeah. Which... I've never fought with a sword, but to come that close to that many people right, for that long of a time that you've got a death grip yeah. that won't let go, that's crazy. Um, the one that, that stuck out to me, though, was Shama. He defended a plot of barley from an entire camp of Philistines. And I was trying to pull, that was the one that I was trying to pull up. Okay, here it is. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field and defended it, killing the Philistines. So the Lord brought a great victory. Uh, It says a troop of Philistines, but this is a lot of people that he killed. Um, So then the 30, um, there was was two people that kind of stood out above the 30. One was Beniah. Yeah, you can't say it. The captain of David's guard. It says that he killed two Moabite heroes because David had fled to Moab, but that they right. were they were warring tribes still, and and he killed an Egyptian giant. The story of him killing the Egyptian giant is crazy. There's a Egyptian giant that's over seven and a half foot tall, I think, somewhere yeah. in that range, and this Benina comes at him with a club takes this giant's spear and kills the giant with his own spear. Yeah. He came into him with a club and that was it. Yeah. And then um, he also helped, it says that he also helped Solomon secure the throne after David died. What he did was he was there with David before and fought with him and was one of the one one of the 30 and he was captain of David's guard. But when uh, Solomon became king, David, uh, Benaiah was actually the one who killed Joab alongside the altar. Oh. 
So when Solomon said, they, basically, he was like, go get Joab. Joab has to answer for the innocent men that he's killed. Right. Like, Joab was incidents. a very complicated character. Yes, I wish he was. It, like, sometimes if you want to do a Bible study, that'll that'll really crack open the story of David, Saul, and, and um, Solomon, and Absalom, and all the power struggles right. within ancient Israel during the early part of the Kings. Right. Joab is the guy to follow. Yes. Like, <laughs> I don't want to call him like the Luke Skywalker, but he's like a <laughs> member of the Skywalker family. Yes. <laughs> yes. Not as pure as the driven snow as no. Luke Skywalker by any means. No. Yeah. But he is one of those guys that if you follow him, like the story follows him yeah. really, really well. Well, that's one of the things I've always thought was interesting. But Benaiah was one of, was the guy who actually ended his life. Right. I've always thought it was interesting too, that, uh, one of, one of David's mighty men, ironically enough, was Uriah, yeah. Bathsheba's husband, who yeah. he had murdered. Yeah, I was um, getting to that, but yeah, that is. A I'm good, sorry, no, I didn't no, mean to steal your sign. thunder. No, it's fine. Uh, yeah, you're right. Go ahead. No, that was it. I've I've just always found that interesting. How, and again, he proved it in the fact that David had to have him murdered just to cover up his junk, yeah. so to speak. Um, but yeah, I've I was just I've always no, found that interesting that yeah, he was counted among them. David's one of his greatest sins was committing adultery with Bathsheba, who was Uriah's wife. And so he had sent for Bathsheba, slept with her, and then she's like, I'm pregnant. And he's like, Oh, Uriah's away fighting. Let's bring him home. And then you can just sleep with her and it'll be fine. But Uriah was so dedicated because he was a mighty man yeah. of valor that he didn't go sleep with his wife. He just stayed outside the city and was like hey all the fighting men are outside the city that's where i'm I'm just going to sleep outside yeah and he would not go and then david sent him with his own death orders back yeah. into battle yep and basically sent him to the front of lines told everybody to pull back and he got killed yep which is unusual for one of david's mighty men like you which almost, joab was also attached to yes joab was <laughs> attached to he well. was the commander of the of the army <laughs> but joab's attachments to saul were weird too yes like, Yes. yes yes and he joined rebellions at weird times like yes I, he's he he preserved himself yes. very well yes and and he killed his better in killing abner yes by far but anyway that's a whole thing go chase down joab it's he's interesting he's yeah. very interesting uh jonathan one of the 30 killed a 12-fingered guy yeah 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 <laughs> that one was random and there was there was a couple of them that were giant slayers. There was like three of them. Yeah. And then it says Ashael was a very fast runner. Um, Abishai was the commander and most honored of the 30. His brother was Joab, one of David's military yeah. captains. He killed 300 men and the son of a giant. Yes. Which I believe eventually Abishai was killed by Abner in battle. When I they believe were believe that is true. Which is why Joab killed I'm Abner. Have to find that. <laughs> yes. Yes. The Bible's messy, man. It's it's the stories of the people in there are very messy. They are not they are not it would make a really great mini series. Um and if you if you didn't see here's the thing. I want to see an accurate biblical portrayal of David's life. Now there was one that I saw that was actually pretty decent. Where uh, Richard Gere actually played David from oh, yeah? the 80s. Yeah, it was not too bad. But I w there's enough going on that you would have to have probably a rated R film to correctly portray the, li the life of David. Right. And Christians would be very upset about it <laughs> because it would not be family friendly. But it would be accurate and honest. And I wish somebody would do it. The end. 
I did find those two stories then. Yes. Uh, Benaiah was one of the sons of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man from Kebizol, who had done many deeds. He had killed two lion-like heroes of Moab, and he had gone down and killed a lion in the midst of a pit on a snowy day. Yes. And yes, so yes. Benaiah was that guy that went down into the pit and yes. killed a lion on a snowy day. Yeah, just because. And it's like, I didn't realize there was that much snow in Israel, right, right. but it gets mentioned. Yes. And yes. so I'm like, hmm. Yeah, but I've always thought that was funny. The lion was in the pit. When the lion's in the pit, you've already won, but he went down and fought it anyway. And it, it makes no sense. Like it, it, is it tougher because it's a snowy day? I don't know. I guess playing football outside is maybe, tougher on a snowy it, day. Maybe it being a snowy day is the unusual part. <laughs> and so they were making note of the fact that it was a snowy day, which is unusual. Yeah. I have no idea. It says, Andy killed an Egyptian, a spectacular man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand, so he went down to him with his staff, rested the spear out of his hand, and killed him with his own spear. Yeah. These what? are the things he did and won a name among the three mighty men. Yeah. He was more honored than the 30, but did not attain to the first three. David appointed him over his guard. So some people say he was appointed over all of them, yeah. but not in. he wasn't in the three. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, too. Let me just dispel this myth for y'all, because... Modern cinema has ruined this for us. The sword was not the optimal battlefield weapon. Right. Pole arms were the were the weapon of choice for the battlefield. A spear was the AR-15 or M16 of the battlefield back in those days. The sword was basically a pistol. If you were down to just your sword, you were in trouble. Right. That was a problem. So that's why that guy having his hand stuck to his sword is yes, pretty wild. And it is pretty wild because they were not in a good circumstance if that's what was going on. But yeah, uh, contrary to the 300 and every other movie that gets it wrong, you wouldn't throw a spear and then grab your sword. No, no, no. You would keep your spear. It was much more agile and much further reach. That was what you were most likely going to get killed with in a battlefield in antiquity and up through the Middle Ages. The so the, the one story from David's Mighty Men that always comes to mind when I think about them is David was in the cave of Abdullam and there was a Philistine garrison around Bethlehem at the time. Yeah. But David growing up in the area around Bethlehem wanted a drink of water yeah. from a well in Bethlehem. It was just a wish. It was like, man, and he kind of like going back to his shepherd boy roots and remembering how the water used to taste. And yeah. that's what he wanted. And he says, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men, which are probably these three, yeah, the his, three, like his special ops, like yeah. these are his top special ops guys. They broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord and said, far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he did not drink it. Yeah. And I always think of that when it comes to worship. What David did there was offer a drink offering before the Lord. Yeah. And he poured it out and, and said, this is an offering before the Lord because he realized what it took to get it and that he didn't risk. Yeah. He didn't risk it, but it was given to him. And it was entrusted to him and he could either consume it yeah, and for his own benefit or his own pleasure. That's what he had wished. Right. But rather than fulfill himself, he did what a great leader would do. If you're trying to teach people that worship of the Lord is paramount 
and you will give him everything. That is a great time right. to set an example and pour it out as a drink offering. Right now, I would have been really ticked. Yes, I know. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say it. <laughs> like it's so poetic, and a lot of it is really poetic. But it's also one of those things. If you ever seen your kids crack open a new can of Coke, take a sip, and be like, "Oh, I don't like this," and just start pouring it down the drain, yeah. it's like. It's like well, 900 and, times that. Well, and I, I, that's the thing is like, I understand that culturally, contextually, none of those guys would have had a problem with him doing that. And it actually brought David up in their estimations that he chose to do that. Right. Like, it was a good thing. Every, it was a win win for David all the way around. But you have to think there was one guy who, as he started to pour it out, just went, oh, like, oh, really? Come on. <laughs> like, oh, why did we do that? Yeah. But yeah. I, uh, I've, I've always been fascinated by that story because in cultural context today, it makes no sense whatsoever, but yeah, obviously we don't live in the a day, context of drink offerings or yeah, anything in like the context that, so. of the day. But that was or the other thing too, is because so many, so many times when people would give drink offerings back in the day, it was a very, uh, I would call petty ritual and that you'd have a glass of wine and you would just, just splash a little out of it now yeah, this is a drink offering to so-and-so but the fact that he poured it all out and i'm sure they didn't just come to him with a cup i'm sure it was like a skin full of water from that well right. i very seriously doubt they were able to get a cup take it in there battle their way through battle their way back out and keep it all in there like they filled a skin or something although i just watched tony hawk on his instagram do a flip all the way around at the top of his ramp and come back down holding a glass of milk <laughs> So, possible, not likely. Oh, my goodness. Yes, the skin is way more likely. Yes. Um, <laughs> because I took up skateboarding, you have to follow Tony Hawk. Yes. Oh, my. He's a national treasure that must be protected at all costs. <laughs> wait a minute. I thought that was Rick Moranis. <laughs> Rick Moranis oh, but wait, as well. But we're not and Canadian. So but we're not Canadian. <laughs> but we're not Canadian. Right. You are. I am. So, he's a national treasure for you. I just like him a lot. Yeah, but not a national treasure for me. <laughs> anyway, um, the biblical story I kind of gravitated towards was the story of Deborah. Oh, and Judges. yes. This That's one, one of my favorite, good. mostly because it flies in the face of much of the narrative that the Lord would not speak to a woman or and, through a and woman. That the Old Testament is just an endless patriarchy. No, where men ruled over women. Yes. And, and I will say this, too, that though she is the only female judge that is mentioned by name it's not mentioned as an oddity or with any irony or with any addendum of because there was no man to lead them deborah rose up like no yeah if you're if you get there it's by assumption yes you have to put that in there yourself you have to add to the biblical narrative listen to that you have to add to the biblical narrative to arrive at that point right. anyway but the basic thing with deborah is you know she's a She's a judge, and I forget who they were fighting at the time. Was it the was the was the Moabites again? Who it was? I had was in it? my head that it was Moab, but maybe that's let me that's see here. Wrong. Jabin of Canaan and his military commander Sisera. Well, I I remember the name. So yeah, it was it was some it was a Canaanite a, a Canaanite tribe. So not Moab, but not Canaan. not Moab. But anyway, so uh, so she basically initiates that. Uh, that this battle is going to take place. You're going to have victory over these, these people tells this guy straight out. He comes to her seeking, you know, is this a good idea? Should we do this? She says, yes. Who was the guy? Uh, Barack or Barak, depending on how yeah. you want to say it. My mom would always say Barak. So yeah. Barak, that's yeah. the way it sounds in yeah. my head. Barak. Yes. B-A-R-A-K. 
Anyway. Barrack. But. That's fine. Yes. Any which way. But he basically, she tells him, you know, yes, you're going to have victory. And he goes, okay, will you come with us so I can be sure we're going to have victory? Yeah. How sure are you of your prophecy? Willing enough to put yourself on the front line? Yeah. So she, and this is my favorite thing about this too, is there was nothing, uh, there was nothing self-promoting about her. It says that she rendered her judgments beneath a date palm tree between Ramah and Benjamin and Bethel in the land of Ephraim. So she just sat there and people came to her. It was a very Oracle-like situation. Yeah, she didn't set up like a permanent house no. where you would come. She wasn't a nomad prophet. She was She was still a wife. She was still a mother. She sat here at times of day and people would come and ask her, what the Lord was saying, and she would speak it to them. She and was the sought time out. where there's no king, there's no government, right? Like the system of right. judges. That's yeah, that's right. pretty awesome. And again, she was one of the judges. She was not just a prophet. Right. She was one of the judges. But anyway, came to her, and he says to her very timidly, "Well, why don't you go ahead and come with us, so I can basically be assured of our victory?" And she kind of rebukes him for it. She's like, "Okay, fine, I'll come with you, but because you've chosen to do this, the Lord's going to turn these these men over to a woman." <laughs> and a woman will kill them instead of you. And so, sure enough, they go into this battle, and it is an absolute rout. I mean, the Israelites are just destroying these people. And Sisera runs away. He escapes. The commander of the opposing army. Yes, the commander of the opposing army. And he goes, uh, and I, they never even name, this is the funny thing, they never name the woman. She's just, she's Jail. just. Huh? Jail. I don't think they, no, I think it's, I think they name her husband. Hang on, let me see. No, they do name her. No, but I, I'm saying, I, but I think that was her husband's name. No, I think it was. Where is this? Maybe it's not. What is the? No, you're reference? right. You're right. No, it was her. It was her. I'm sorry, I misread it. You're right. You're right. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, sorry. This is Bible story, kid. No, you're good. To play. You're good though. You're good. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm thinking of my picture Bible that I read as a kid that did not name her. <laughs> nice. But anyway, she comes to he comes to her tent, and says, "Oh, hey, you know, I'm being chased by these people. Hide me, hide me, hide me." And she's like, "Oh yeah, come on in." But clearly, apparently, knew who he was. So she made him feel safe. She fed him. I think she gave him, I think they said that he, she gave him goat's milk and he went to sleep. After which she promptly went and got a tent peg and drove it through his head and staked him into the ground and then went and got the opposing army and said, hey guys, he's over here. He's not going anywhere. So quite literally struck him down in his sleep. Um, yeah, it says that he went to the tent of jail, the wife of Heber, the yes. Canaanite. Because Heber's family was on friendly terms with King Jabin of Hazor. So he thought he had an alliance here. Right. But he had an alliance with her husband. Husband, not with her. <laughs> that's that's what I love. <laughs> how many of you how many of you counteract each other at the polls or one of you cheers for Ohio State or one cheers for Michigan? <laughs> this you know, was that, but just a little more bloody. This was that. Yeah. Oh, it was it was a little bit like you may like this guy, yeah, but I not do not. <laughs> yes, but that's that's another thing that a lot of people don't think of is they think of the ancient world, like you said, as very patriarchal. Women basically ruled the home in that era. Men went out and did the hunting and the fighting, but like care of servants, hiring, firing. Uh, in medieval times, if you wanted to get to the treasury, you had to go to the lady of the house to get the keys. It was. It is not what it is often portrayed as now. Right. They basically took a Victorian era and superimposed that over history, which was not accurate. What you saw in the Victorian era and what is what was historically an ancient world were very, very different things. Uh, you know, men got written about because they were the ones who did the quote mighty things, but the people who actually 
had the immediate power of at home and had the immediate power of, uh, you know, the castle, whatever it was, it, it was the women. It was not the men. But anyway, I've always loved that story. Um, even as a little kid, when I had no clue about the sexual politics of what was going on around <laughs> me or, or feminism or any of those things, something about that just always really resonated with me. And it, it is funny. He says, give me some water. And she gave him some milk. Yeah. And, and I'm always like, huh? Yeah, if you want somebody to go to sleep, what you give him <laughs> give is him lots of milk. Something fatty. And then you, it says that she covered him up again, and he's like, stand at the door of the tent. If anyone comes and asks you if anyone is here, just say no. Yeah. And, and then she goes and drives a tent bag through his head. I, I like how it ends. And it says, from that time on, Israel became stronger and stronger against King Jabin until they finally destroyed him. Yeah. Like that one act was like the one domino that started to tip everything, like that yeah. battle followed by the commander right. dying like that was and the then they had 40 the they scales. had 40 years of peace after that right is what it said yeah isn't that awesome like one person who thought he had an alliance and got backstabbed <laughs> head like, stabbed head stabbed <laughs> you stabbed him in the head oh man but yeah i've always loved that story it's it's just got a lot of i mean obviously it's an interesting story nonetheless but i do love that it's it's a it's a shining example of how God actually viewed women versus how some of the societies in the Bible viewed women. Yeah. It was different. Yeah. It's funny. You look back at the genealogies of Jesus that are in the new Testament and all of a sudden you're reading names like Rahab and you're like, wait, shouldn't it be her husband or, <laughs> or someone else? Nope. Rahab's in there. Yeah. And like you, you start to see a number of women showing up in, in the, not only in the genealogy of Jesus going back, but also in the narrative of who God was speaking to yeah. along the way. Everybody talks about Moses and Aaron, but he spoke to and through Miriam. Yes. Uh, quite a while. I mean, up until she sinned. Right. And, and, you know, same thing for Aaron. Right. Like God would have used him in a, in a different way had he totally, you know. Right. And Aaron, no, Miriam was not just in charge of the women. Right. And, and <laughs> the same thing with Moses, God wanted to speak to through him and wasn't going to, that's what I was going to say. wasn't right. going to involve Aaron until Moses was like, no, no, I can't possibly do it. And then he's like, well, I will speak through Aaron. But then Aaron ends up leading everybody to dance around a golden calf. And he's like, <laughs> see, this is why, this is why it should have been you the whole time. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. But yeah, that's one of my long form. That's one of my favorite overall stories. There's obviously a bunch of random random small things in the Bible that have always fascinated me that I thought are so weird. We're going to, we're going to probably make a list of those and come back next week yes. and compile a list of weird and, and odd, like biblical oddities. Totally. <laughs> and, and have a few of those. Totally. And we've, week. and we've got, I've already Tell got several stories. of them marked down, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> there you go. I'm half tempted to just make this one a really short one just to shock my wife. Because she always complains if they're over 40 minutes and we're right around the 35 mark. That's all right. It's perfect. You say we're good? We're, we're awesome. All right. Well, this is going to be it, guys. We never do one this short, hardly at all. Maybe in the early days. I think back in the early days, we kept it to around a half hour. Yep. That's weird. How did we ever talk enough in those? Those were, those were weird. If you enjoy this, give us a five-star rating just for this episode. That's right. Do it. We will know. We will know. And Kayla, yours won't count. I'm sorry. But everyone else will listen we'll to read you. It. You will read it, but it won't it won't count. It won't count. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. And uh we may even catch you next week. We may do two weeks in a row here. 
Look at us being productive. That's right. Look at that. All right. We'll catch you guys later. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.